Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What a crazy week it has been with the uh, John Gruden news, uh, the wild baseball playoffs, uh, that Monday night football game with Lamar Jackson playing as well as uh, any quarterback that I've ever seen. And then, of course, uh, week six beginning last night. And here we are getting ready for the weekend. I'm really excited about today's guest. We're going to talk with one of the real veteran sportscasters over the last several decades. He'll be joining me momentarily. But first, I want to tell you that today's podcast is brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. They've got a fix for you for all of your plumbing needs and repairs. And again, I've mentioned this several times over the last several months, but uh, I really thank New Works for their support and their real partnership with this podcast. And I also thank you and those of you that have reached out to me uh, and talking about how great New Works Plumbing has been for you. I really appreciate that. I know they do too. For all of your plumbing needs and repairs, just go to newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. New Works Plumbing, they've got a fix for you. My guest is one of the most familiar names in our sportscasting industry. What an amazing career he's had. And how lucky is he? He gets to go back to the beautiful Pacific Northwest this weekend, the beautiful Husky Stadium, one of the most amazing stadium venues uh, in the country. He and Spencer Tillman will be on Fox. They've got UCLA at Washington. Of course, it's Tim Brando from Fox. Tim, welcome back to the podcast. How are you, sir? Super, Grant. I couldn't be better. It's great to be back with you. And, uh, and yeah, they're keeping me busy going prime time uh, uh, on the West Coast. And and for guys like us that are traveling back, man, do we need those red eyes when we go to Seattle <laughs> and we go to Boston? <laughs> right. Yes. Yes, indeed. The good old uh, yeah. red eyes. Oh, boy, what a weekend we just had this past Saturday in college football. It was turned upside down. I know you talk highly about Cincinnati. We always talk about strength of schedule. And when I look yes. at their schedule, if you take Notre Dame off their schedule, and again, I'm not undervaluing that win, but they don't play anybody. So how do you really judge Cincinnati, Tim? Well, I don't, I don't think that uh, the, the, the American is nobody. Okay, I think we've gotten caught up in this, Grant. No disrespect to you intended, but what's happening now are these analytics guys are coming on, uh, the worldwide leader, and they're talking about FPI this and FPI that. And I watch every game. I mean, I DVR just about every game that's being played, uh, either on my direct TV upstairs or on my uh, cable system downstairs. 
So I'm not just covering my game. You know me. I love all of it. And I'm, and I'm, I'm going through just about every game that is worthwhile, that, that's a, that has games involving teams that are relevant, you know, in the college football narrative on a weekly basis. And, um, you know, they're going to play our banged-up UCF team this week, but uh, they've played some very good teams and, 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 and teams that are really shooting to, to give them their best shot, you know, in a conference that is devalued because it's not a Power 5 league. And, uh, look, they played Indiana, a team that, you know, during the COVID season was outstanding. And, uh, and obviously, they, they lost their quarterback, Michael Penix, uh, not in the game that they had, but they lost him. And, and, and they haven't had the same kind of year that everyone anticipated. But Indiana was a preseason, you know, top 15 team. So they had them on the schedule. You know, they only have three non-conference games that they can schedule. And they chose to play a Big Ten team, a good one, on the road. And they played Notre Dame on the road. So I don't know how much better you can do, how much more the committee can ask of a school like Cincinnati. And, oh, by the way, that that Georgia team that everyone says is now a juggernaut and can't be stopped and is the best defense in in the history of the game, perhaps, they they shouldn't have beaten Cincinnati last year when they played in the game in Atlanta. Uh, in, the, in a New Year's Six game. I mean, mismanagement of a clock was Luke Fickle's downfall in that game. So that's all that separated them from beating, you know, a, a Georgia team that, you know, some might argue, well, they were playing. And this is always the answer. The, the answer you get from the elitists is, well, Georgia wasn't up for that game. They were playing Cincinnati. <laughs> you know, Come on. Yeah, same, that's ridiculous. It's the right. same jargon we get every stinking year. Sure. You know, Alabama loses to – to, to Utah one year in the Sugar Bowl, and it's like, well, they 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 weren't playing for the next. <laughs> Come on, you know, there's always right. an excuse for the brand names. So, for my money, Cincinnati has done everything that has been required of them to do. And yeah, they're going to be favored and should win every game that they've got left. But to say that these teams uh, just don't match up, or uh, they're bad, or they're nobody, which is the narrative, and again. Uh, not not to speak disparagingly of you, but you're only reacting to what you're reading and hearing and seeing by those that cover college football. That's and very when you true. Bring out these, when you bring out these analytics guys, yep. you know, if we're talking true. about 32 teams in the NFL, everybody knows everybody in the NFL. Yep. When you got 136 Division One schools, everybody doesn't know everybody. Great point. So, Great point. So when we make these, we make these grand statements about uh, schedule strength. Great point. Uh, again, I think it comes down to uh, an ignorance that that starts first and foremost with the media. Great point. We choose yep. not to cover all of college football. Mm. College football right now, Grant, is 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 never been flatter. Okay, we have as many different teams as we've ever had to talk about possibly being in the college football playoff with only four teams. Uh, to me, this is a precursor of how great would it be if we had twelve right now. Imagine if we had. 12 available right now the problem is the guys that are in our profession all right that are creating the narrative and i was once one of them doing a studio show the original uh college game day Mm -hmm. way back in 87 and 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 they all do a great job don't get me wrong i mean my my i have utmost respect for my my peers that are doing this whether it's the guys on on game day or the guys on big noon but if you watch those shows, whether it's three hours on game day or two hours on 
on Big Noon, they're talking about maybe four or five teams a lot and maybe the teams that are going to be on their air, and that's it. Yeah, good point. So they're they're yep. not talking about Coastal Carolina. No. You know, they, they, they're not talking about Cincinnati unless they have to. Yep. They're talking about the big kahunas that bring the big numbers. And, and uh, while that's understandable from a rating standpoint, they're certainly not informing the public about everybody that's playing the game and who's playing it really well. How, how many people can, can name a player on the Wake Forest team that's 6-0? and Do you know anybody nope. that can name a player for Wake Forest? Now, they're in the ACC, not the AAC, but these teams fly under the radar because no one wants to pay attention. And, and, um, and I think that we, we have become lazy as a media covering the college game. We want to deal with just uh, three, four, or five teams because it's easier. Okay, if we have to start covering 15, 20, 25 teams, gee, well, how are we going to do that in a two hour show? How are we going to do that in a three hour show? You know, we've got all these different uh, sales obligations. We've got, you know, those that cover college football, I think, really have to take a look in the mirror and say, are we are we really doing our best to cover this sport the way it needs to be covered? A couple of moments ago, you mentioned Alabama, and I watched Alabama play this year, and I asked myself, gee, that does not look like a typical Alabama defense. I watched Florida go on a 97-yard drive, move the ball up and down the field. We saw yep. Florida not being able to – or excuse me, we saw Alabama not being able to get off the field against A&M. I also see something that I normally don't see when I watch Alabama football, poor tackling, a lot of missed tackles. What do you see with that Alabama defense? Yeah, all that you just said. Yeah, and and they don't have that uh, supreme big time run stopper that that we've always seen in the past. Now the biggest issue they have is in their secondary, which is really strange because that's where Saban has always been <clears throat> really a genius in taking you know uh, guys like Trayvon Diggs, by example. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about guys that were uh, once wide receivers or running backs when they're in high school getting them into college and then coaching them up as corners and safeties. I've seen it happen a gazillion times, you know, turning guys into free agent picks, guys who weren't even drafted that went into the NFL and had uh, remarkable careers. Uh, you know, he's always been hands-on, Nick, uh, with, with the coaching of his team, regardless of who was on his staff. But the one thing that you have to say, uh, those of us that follow the game closely, is that he has turnover unlike any other program when it comes to his staff. Um, I mean, it's become sort of the uh, coach-whispering organization in college football. You know, once a coach gets fired, they come to Mount Saban and they check into the rehab center to get well. <laughs> you know, whether it was, right. whether it was uh, Lane Kiffin or, sure. or Sark or on the defensive side. Now we're seeing it with Bill O'Brien with his offense and Golding with his defense. And I think maybe um, just to show that, that Nick is mortal, because I know him well enough to know that he is hands-on. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's coordinators coordinate, yeah, but under the very watchful eye of Nick Saban, maybe maybe Nick now is finally paying uh, a price for all of the turnover that he's had in his staff. Uh, that's not the case at a lot of the other programs that have been dominant. Now, certainly after Urban left and Ryan Day took over at Ohio State, he had some of that, and they're going through all kinds of issues with their secondary as well. I mean, they got absolutely lit up by Oregon. 
uh, and, the, and not just his secondary, but also his, his linebacking core and the middle of his defense. Um, I saw him, you know, Tulsa played them off their feet for three, three and a half quarters. The score was not indicative of how closely Tulsa played with Ohio State, but they've also played a lot of bad teams since then. Akron, Rutgers, you know, Ohio State is creeping up at the polls because of their brand, not because they're, they've done anything. Okay, they, it's just because of the brand of Ohio State. And they've won big, which you're supposed to win big. Alabama is the certainly uh, – Ohio State, to me, is the big brand of the North. Uh, Alabama is the big brand of the South and the ultimate big brand, period, uh, in the college game. But maybe at, at long last, all of this turnover has caught up uh, with a very young team in, in several places. Now, he's got four- and five-star players, as he's always had. But, but, again, when you've got young players and a new staff, which he almost has every year, you know, he'll turn over eight, nine guys on a staff and no one really blinks. Uh, that, you, you, that, that really can't happen anyplace else and remain, and you remain successful. He's been able to get away with it because he's got all the, the best talent. Uh, but maybe this year it's finally caught up to them. I was not shocked that A&M won the game based on the way the season has gone. Uh, I was shocked that they won the game the way they won the game. Uh, that, that, um, that Jimbo was able to do it with all those injured quarterbacks and getting his third guy back out there after he had been hurt, and he was out there to make plays both with his legs and his arm at the, uh, at the end of the game. Everybody in Tuscaloosa is going uh, bat crazy over, you know, the, the coordinators because, you know, God, God forbid you ever criticize Nick. Right. But, but I mean, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is these, these coordinators are in new positions, and they are every year because of the tremendous turnover he always has. If you want to talk about defense, uh, let's get to Athens and talk about Kirby Smart's Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, in six games, yeah. they've, they've only yeah. allowed two touchdowns. You've watched uh, a lot more college football than I have over the years, and I know we're still in October, so I don't want to get carried away. But could this go down as one of the best defenses we've ever seen when it's all said and done? It could, as long as their offense continues to do well uh, and scores points, because ultimately, no matter how good your defense is, when you play against a high-caliber opponent, they're going to force you to score. You know, mm-hmm. that's been the issue with Georgia. Is um, <clears throat> And to his credit, Stetson Bennett, my goodness, you know, people rain on the Georgia offense because the defense is so good. But who's got a better backup quarterback than Georgia? You know, I mean, uh, Daniels hasn't been able to go. Uh, I'm not sure he'll be able to go. Mm-hmm. As the season prolongs, I keep thinking it might be Stetson Bennett's team all the way through. Georgia's defense is incredible, but they haven't been tested uh, the way they, they will be ultimately if they're going to go the distance. Um, they, they are so strong in the middle, and they've got such great speed, and their safeties and corners are – it's very – you know, one of the things – I haven't seen Georgia with my own eyes. I've seen them plenty on, on tape. You know, I've, I've, I've taped most of their games. And uh, the team that I've seen that most resembles them with my own eyes, and I've seen them twice, is Iowa. Hawkeyes are the same kind of team. They just don't have the same speed uh, in their secondary that Georgia has. But they are relentless ball hawks back there. And they've got veterans, you know, uh, five-year seniors, a couple of six-year seniors because of COVID and the uh, redshirt opportunities. There are some guys that have been around a long time, you know, grown men out there playing. And and Iowa is a, is a team that um, I think plays very similarly to Georgia. They, 
they not only will will stuff teams, but they will score themselves. You know, Iowa, when they are defending a team uh, inside that team's 20-yard line, you know, they're looking to, to, to get a turnover to win the game. Um, I think they've got um, 12 turnovers through the last two games that they've played with Maryland mm. and Penn State. So, you know, Georgia does the same thing, uh, but, but their athletes are faster uh, than Iowa's. It's, it's going to be really fun to see how both of these teams respond because they're going to be favored in every game they've got left. Sure. You know, Georgia now immediately becomes a favorite, even if they play Alabama. No question. You know, the odds makers are probably now going to favor Georgia. So how do you handle a full cup of success? And the same is true with the Hawkeyes in the Big Ten. If you look at what's left on their schedule, there's some tough games. I mean, they're, they're going to be challenged, you know, with the teams that they play. I mean, they've got there are five Big Ten teams now in the top ten. That hasn't happened in a long, long time. Um, and but but still, they they are good enough in their league, just as Georgia is in, in in the SECs, to be favored in every game. You know, when you talk about Kentucky, the first thing that comes to mind is basketball. But what they've done with that football program there is amazing. And I was just thinking, you know, with them being number eleven in the country now, and going to top ranked Georgia. I'm just wondering, when was the last time Kentucky had this big of a football game in the month of October? I mean, this is huge for them. You talk about a measuring stick. We're going to find out yeah. a lot about Kentucky this weekend. You you have to go all the way back to Fran Kersey's era in the mid-70s. Wow. Five, six, and seven. Uh, when, and, and ultimately, unfortunately for Kentucky, uh, they wound up on probation in the aftermath of that. So a lot of people have dusted it under the rug. Rich Brooks had a, a really good team, you might recall, beat LSU in triple overtime. Back in 2007, uh, that was a real big game for them. They they beat LSU as a number one team. LSU then rebounded in what was a crazy year. Some people have compared this season to the 2007 season. You might recall LSU went from number seven to number two in the final week when when Pitt beat West Virginia with LaShawn McCoy and uh, Dave Wonstadt's team shocked Rich Rodriguez's club at West Virginia. And LSU got into the – BCS title game and beat Ohio State with two losses uh, to win the championship. Uh, this is that kind of a year in a lot of respects. We could see some teams come from sort of nowhere uh, in the last few weeks of the season to get into the four hole, you know, in the playoff. But here's here's the thing with Kentucky. Mark Stoops has always had quality defenses. He's a tough, no-nonsense coach uh, and has very quietly gone about it because up there you just don't get as much attention because Kentucky is so far to the, the northeastern side of the SEC that it's overshadowed by Cincinnati. It's overshadowed by Ohio State uh, and a lot of, you know, Big Ten country. Uh, and the SEC has historically just not paid that much attention to their own until basketball season began in the Commonwealth. But with the advent of the transfer portal, they were able to get a very athletic quarterback in Will Levis. Who, who, who couldn't win the job at Penn State, which should tell you something about uh, what James Franklin thinks of Sean Clifford. And, and to, to be real, if Sean Clifford doesn't get hurt last week against Iowa, do the, 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 the Penn State Nittany Lions lose that game? I mean, that's a, that's a topic worth talking about. Sure. Uh, but, but it was a difference maker. Not having Levis available to Penn State last week, all right, might have cost them an opportunity to be undefeated as we speak right now. No question. Now. No question. But Levis goes into the transfer portal. 
He winds up at Kentucky, and he's the difference. They've always had solid runners, but their offense did not have an athletic or truly athletic quarterback until they got this young man. And Levis now is a dual-threat quarterback that has greater size and strength, really, than than Sean Clifford has, and he's playing at, at a very high level. Uh, I, I, this game is going to be a lot closer with Georgia than people think. Uh, just mark it down. I, I'm not saying Georgia's going to lose this game, but they'll be pushed, and they'll have problems dealing with Levis hmm. because Kentucky is a solid defense uh, that plays similarly to Georgia. The team that's going to wind up beating Georgia is the team that forces them to score. I don't think Kentucky can do that, so I think Georgia will handle it, handle them eventually, but it's going to be an ugly game. Uh, Georgia will not be as successful in their uh, in their offense because Kentucky's defense is very solid as well. Uh, but, but Levis has been the difference maker for them, and uh, I'm sure that James Franklin is still sort of shaking his head over the fact that he didn't have him available, you know, in the second half of that game um, in Iowa City last week. College football just amazes me, and you live in the crazy college football backyard of LSU. And, mm-hmm. you know, two years ago, Coach O and LSU, I mean, they, they, they were, I mean, gosh, I mean, Joe Burrow and that amazing team. And here we mm-hmm. are some 19 months later, and I'm hearing yeah. that Coach O is on the way out. I mean, what, what a land of college football. What a world that is. What's your take on that program right now at LSU? Well, it just shows you how fragile college football is in terms of sustained success which uh, is one of the reasons why, you know, Saban is the first uh, is the first face we carve out on Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. You know, he has done it in a time when it's very, very difficult to sustain success. Um, players become disinterested or unhappy. They can hit the transfer portal. Um, you know, it's just hard. I mean, it really is. I think the, the big problem for Orgeron, and listen, I, in full disclosure – uh, I like Ed. I think everybody in Louisiana likes Ed and identifies with the fact that this was his dream job and uh, he, he was able to take the reins at a very difficult time uh, and not only uh, see his team through the difficult waters, but also uh, made some decisions that helped bring a national championship to them. Those decisions, including uh, giving Joe Burrow a look when not a lot of people were, uh, Joe Burrow would be the first to tell you that. Uh, and also, because he's not a coordinator, you know, he never coordinated a defense, uh, certainly never coordinated an offense. Ed was going to be a CEO coach that depended on his coordinators to coach up his talent on both sides of the ball. And uh, he's made mistakes there since the 2019 championship. Um, but But again, you cannot stop uh, great assistance from from moving on to become head coaches. Mm. Dave Aranda was the top paid defensive coordinator in college football the year they won the national title for a reason. You know, Aranda is a hell of a coach, and he's now doing a quality job at Baylor. Uh, and you lose Joe Brady. Uh, help me out. Was Sam Darnold just sort of falling off a turnip truck? in New York or what happened when he got to Carolina yeah right I'll tell you what happened he got to he got to work with Joe Brady Joe Brady's a hell of a coach so you know replacing those guys is tough when you're a guy like Ed Orgeron 
and and he thought that he made some quality hires. In fact, this year, uh, Pete's the young man that is uh, running the offense for him had worked under Joe Brady, but he's not Joe Brady. You know, he can't get the plays in in time. Uh, Max Johnson, who's a fine young college quarterback, uh, Brad Johnson's son, had moments of glory. In fact, uh, uh, the game he played on the road, his first SEC road game, winning in the fog in Gainesville last year, was an amazing performance. But Max Johnson is not Joe Burrow, you know, by a long shot. So, you know, you you can't, uh, when you're at a place like LSU and you've built expectations to the level that they've had, and this has been really their golden era since uh, Nick Saban got there, there's been three national titles. Think about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Whoever gets that job when Orgeron is let go, and I fully expect him uh, to get his $17 million buyout at year's end <laughs> and be gone. Right. But whoever gets that job, think about this, Grant, will be inheriting a program that in the last 18 years has won three national championships with three different coaches. Wow. That's unbelievable. Think about that. That's incredible. I mean, Nick won his in 03, yep. Miles in 07, and in 19 at Orgeron. That's amazing. So, I mean, if you're, if you're in the hunt for a, a, a quality college coach, and that's going to be one of the great mm. debates as the uh, Mike Bone search at USC is going on, and you've got Scott Woodward, a Baton Rouge guy, a guy that brought in, while at A&M, Jimbo Fisher, uh, he's made big, splashy hires everywhere. He brought Chris Peterson from Boise State to, to Washington and got that program into the college football playoff. Um, I mean, Scott's got really no peer when it comes to hiring big-time coaches. Uh, and I suspect that that he'll be in the running for a lot of the same guys that USC is in the running for. And the question will become, which one of those jobs would you rather have? Which is the better job, uh, USC or, or LSU? And you can make cases for both. But one thing you can't say, and I, I don't think any program can say, is uh, in the last 18 years, since 2003, three national titles have been won with three different That's coaches. a great point. Tim, this morning on your social media account, you mentioned Bino Cook several times. I say Bino yeah. Cook, you say what? <laughs> oh, I'm missing. Okay, I'm missing. Uh, Beans was a guy I would turn to to help me uh, decide that what I was thinking was either right or wrong. Hmm. You know, at the end of the day, I always wanted him to give me my summation. You know, I, I got to know Bino at a time in my life that was very important. I was young. I was uh, 31 years old when we started college game day. I had been at ESPN for a couple of years. And uh, when they told me I was going to get to work with this guy, I knew he was a, a, a superior historian of the college game, but also of TV. You know, he had worked for Rune Arledge. He had worked at CBS as a publicist when they started the NFL today. So he knew the business inside out, and he knew everybody in the business, uh, as well as in college football. You know, Rune uh, listened to Bino when it came to changing uh, the calendar for Arkansas and moving a September game with Texas back to uh, uh, December, the first weekend in December so that the game of the century could be played in 1969 between Texas and, uh, and Arkansas. And how that changed the landscape of college football at that time was pretty incredible. Uh, Beans is um, a national treasure. You know, uh, in a lot of ways, I tell young people today, when they're watching Corso at the end of, uh, of college game day, 
All right. Uh, and I think everyone, regardless of uh, who you are and or what's being done anywhere, including on, on my network, Fox, at, at the last five minutes of that show, you want to see what he's going to do with that headgear at the end of the show. <laughs> right. You know, Lee sure. became the crown prince of college football. Well, all he was doing was copying what Bino was doing with me, you know, 30, 30 plus years ago when only 25 million people had cable in their house. You know, he, Bino was making fun of himself, dressing up like uh, he had been arrested because he made bad picks the week, <laughs> the week before. Right. Or, uh, you know, in a manhole cover in Manhattan because he went 0-6. That's beautiful. picks the week before. Lee wasn't dumb. I mean, he was more of our uh, Kirk Herbstreet in terms of X's and O's and Jimmy's and Joe's back in those days. But, you know, he knew that Bino had a flair for entertainment as well as information. And um, uh, The book that's been written by um, John Lucas uh, in concert with Bino, he worked with Bino the last few years of his life on this book, and it's finally come out now. Haven't They Suffered Enough hmm. uh, is, is, is a must read. Uh, by the way, haven't they suffered enough is one of the great lines ever delivered by Bino when in 1980 the Iran hostages came back. Um, we had gotten them back home, and Major League Baseball's Bowie Kuhn, the commissioner, gave all of the hostages um, lifetime passes to Major League Baseball games, <laughs> to which Bino replied, haven't they suffered enough? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a classic or what? Oh my gosh! Oh. <laughs> hey, that, that no, is... he had him. Yeah, I mean he had him. I'll never forget the Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden, God rest his soul, ran the uh, the Bowden Ruski uh, beat Clemson one year, and he was explaining how the play worked. Uh, Bino said. That was the greatest play since my fair waiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is funny. Hey, before I let you go, in this crazy yep. world that we live in and everything that we say is dissected and analyzed, yep. and do you, do you ever worry about saying something that is misconstrued on the air? Do you ever worry about – I mean, you've been doing this all your life. I mean, but, but do you – do you now go into the booth? Do you now go on the social media thinking twice? Because, you know, I tell people this all the time, and you know this, but some, a lot of people that, that follow us and watch games, they don't understand that everything that we do is spontaneous. You know, we don't make it. We're making it up as we go on. And, yeah, we're, yeah. we're, we're prone to sometimes say things that maybe, oh, gee, I didn't really mean to say that. Do you worry about that now with the world we're living in? Oh, sure. Yeah, you have to be mindful. And also the hot mic can kill you, too, as you know. Sure. You know, I mean, and I've I've always said when when you go to a commercial break, that doesn't mean everybody in the network uh, was uh, aware. And sometimes they may be sleeping at the switch. And uh, when you go to a commercial break, don't think your mics are off. Okay, so you better be careful of what you're saying when you don't think you're on the air, as well as when you are on the air. Yeah, without question. And um, especially when dealing maybe with a particular issue that uh, – is part of the storyline with one of the teams I always feel like uh, we are forced to maybe talk a little bit more than we would like because we have to explain why we're saying what we're saying about what happened with a given player uh, or with a given coach. And certainly um, to your point, not just about when you're on the air, but what you've, what you've uh, written or what you've uh, uh, said, 10, 15, 20 years ago now. Great point. With everything that's taking place. Um, 
because because <laughs> we're people are, are finding different ways of uh, of canceling out other people, and you've you've certainly experienced it without question sure. in, in in spades. And uh, look, it's it's on the minds I think of everybody that's in our business uh, a lot more than it once was, and maybe to some extent uh, that's a good thing. Okay, we self awareness. Uh, is something that's very important, I think, for all of us in life, not just in sports television, but just having greater awareness of self and 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 what what what's going on with the others around us, because regardless of what's happening in our lives, you know what's happening in a lot of other people's lives might might be far worse, and you just don't know how how things might land. Um, I try really hard, and if you, you, you mentioned you followed, uh, you saw my stuff on Bino today. Um, you know, I try really hard to stay positive and keep it light as much as I possibly can, uh, and to be complimentary of others that are in my business, because um, because I don't think there's enough good that's being said about those that do a really good job. Uh, but I'll also be critical of our industry when I think we make mistakes, and uh, I think we started today with. You know, I believe our industry can do a better job of covering college football. I mean, I genuinely believe that. Mm-hmm. There are different ways of going about it, uh, but and, and I'm and I'm not poking holes at any of the of my contemporaries when I say we need to do better because we all need to do better. But uh, but yeah, I, I, think about it. Uh, if if you had had a camera or a uh, um, a, a recorder. Uh, that was on around you 20 years ago, 15 oh years ago, oh, wow. maybe even 10 years ago. Right. right? Oh boy. And, and people had, uh, listen, uh, I'm sure there are faux pas that I've made, whether in the studio sure. or at a game site. And one of my producers uh, might have that video and, and uh, maybe they'll play it at a seminar or, or you know, to, for blanks and giggles, as we like to say. Yep. Okay, to make make fun of me on a Christmas party tape or something. Sure, but 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 there are those out there that would rather not save it for that. And maybe maybe you said something that offended them once or twice, and they've got a, some of that tape, and they decide to put it out there to make sure that you don't work again. Yep. I mean that's that's going on. Yes, I mean, it that is. Stuff happens, and um, I think in a lot of ways, Grant, what it comes down to is you have to hope, and this is certainly my hope that my relationship building through the years was always good enough that despite my foibles, anyone that worked with me would know that I genuinely wanted to be helpful to any of them uh, as I possibly could. So if you treat people the right way, you know, those things won't become public. But if you don't, <laughs> yeah. you know, the alternative is not good. So yeah, we, we all have to be more careful. There's no question about that. And while it's cumbersome at times and sometimes you start, you want to throw your hands up, maybe in some regards it's actually good because uh, we do need to be mindful of of uh, what we say and how it lands to those ears that maybe that, uh, that we, we thought they knew us, but maybe they didn't. You know? So well said. Uh, I respect the heck out of you. I really do. It's just uh, amazing to follow your career. And I hope you have a great call tomorrow night as uh, this is airing on Friday at uh, beautiful Husky Stadium with UCLA and Washington. All the best to you, my friend. And thank you so much for coming on the show. You got it, Grant. Anytime. You know that, buddy. 
My thanks to Tim Brando. Always great catching up with him. It's now time for our Crowd Ultra Q&A. If you want to ask a question and have it answered right here on my podcast, just go to CrowdUltra.com. Josh, ask, do you have any stories or words you want to share about Ray Fossey? Josh, uh, thank you very much for asking. Ray loved the sport that he covered, the sport that he played as much as anyone. He loved baseball and he loved the Oakland A's. Uh, a lot of the people that do the production on the Kings work also work the A's games in the summer. And so they would share a lot of stories with me about being with Ray in the summer. And I got to know Ray a little bit, uh, and I had him on my radio show multiple times. And he just loved talking about baseball. And boy, did he love the Oakland A's. Uh, that's what I will tell you about Ray Fossey. He absolutely loved the Oakland Athletics. Loved them. The A's were his life. And being around the team every day was his life. And he was great. Uh, I just loved every time Ray would come on my radio show, if I would see him at the Coliseum. Just, he was great. I don't know how else to say it. But boy, did he love, absolutely love what he did. He loved it. And uh, he will certainly be missed. All right, uh, let's get to uh, T. Gambrell wants to know, has Mahomes gotten worse or have defenses figured him out? You know what I think the big difference is? He has an entirely new offensive line from last year. That's what I think it is. You know, do I think defenses have figured him out a little bit? Yeah, but I think playing behind five new offensive linemen, in my opinion, that has been the biggest factor. Dominic wants to know how much pressure do you think Gruden got to resign? I think he was forced to resign. That's what I think. So pressure, yeah. He was clearly pressured into resigning. I don't think there's any question uh, about that. I'm not saying he wouldn't have resigned, but he definitely got pressure to resign. Tony wants to know, have you looked into what's going on with Brett Favre and the money he owes the states of Mississippi or the state of Mississippi? Tony, I haven't. I don't really care. Neil wants to know, would you say, or what would you say is the team most likely to win the World Series. Well, I'm doing this before game five of the Giants and the Dodgers. So whoever won that game, Neil, is the team that's the favorite uh, to win the World Series. Christian wants to know, do you think there are more emails out there that could get other NFL members in trouble? This is a great question. 650,000 emails, and it's just John Gruden that right now is taking every bullet. I mean, was this a setup? Was this released on purpose? And are you telling me out of 650,000 emails, this is the only red flag? So to answer your question, yes, I do think there are more coming out. And again, was this a setup? Why? Why did this happen? Luke asked, do you think it's a mistake for legends like MJ and Kareem to publicly share their COVID opinion? No. Share your opinion. Just don't attack someone when they have a different opinion than you. Again, look at my rant from yesterday. Why, why are people being venomous and hateful because you have a different opinion to someone else? I, I don't understand that. I really don't. Freddie asked, in regards to Dom's question, could you share the type of pressure you dealt with when you resigned from the Kings? Freddie, I'm sorry I can't get into that, but I appreciate uh, you asking. I would just uh, leave you with this. Common sense. Brendan asked, have you seen the highlights 
of J.R. Smith first college golf tournament. If you did, what did you think of a swing? I did not, and I don't care. Kevin asked, how do you expect Kyrie to handle not being able to play with the Nets? Well, I know this question came in before Kyrie gave uh, his interview, I guess is what you would call it, and he stuck to his guns and his beliefs and explained why he made the decision that he did. And you don't have to agree with it. I don't agree with it, but I respect he is entitled to that feeling and that belief and that opinion. And he's sticking up for what he believes in, and it's costing him not only a lot of money, but perhaps another NBA championship. So I don't have a problem with that. I think it's wrong, but I don't have a problem with how he's gone about it. In other words, I feel he's let his teammates down. I feel like he's let the franchise down. But I don't have a problem with him believing in that. That's fine. And I mean that. You know, I know it might sound like I'm playing both sides of the fence here. You know me. I don't play both sides of the fence. I think he's wrong. But I understand everyone's entitled to make that that opinion. And I respect him for sticking up for what he believes in. Trevor asked, have you seen MLB batting average? It was the lowest since 1968. Trevor, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And that's what's wrong with the game. And this follows right up with Nick. Do you agree with Pete Rose's comments about the Yankees and Joey Gallo? Yes, I do. I do. Absolutely. I think Pete Rose is 100% correct about, you know, the strikeouts and everything that goes along with that. And, you know, again, he came down hard on Gallo, but I don't disagree with that. I really don't. Steven wants to know what teams do you think will be good this NHL season? I think the usual teams, obviously, I think Tampa's still going to be very good. Uh, I think Vegas is going to be good. You know, I think the usual teams, I don't have a really good read. I need to see about 20 to 25 games before I can make that kind of statement. You know, that observation. I need to see a little bit more. Chase asks, what's your take on the NFLPA petitioning the NFL to release all of John's, John Gruden's emails? No, they didn't petition the NFL to release all of the John Gruden emails. They petitioned the NFL to release all 650,000 emails. Everything. Good luck with that. That's all I'm going to say. Ben wants to know, who are the funniest Kings players throughout the year? So, oh, boy. I mean... I mean, I started doing the games in 88 and started being around the team's uh, team in 87. There were always a lot of characters. There were always a lot of funny guys. I mean, Scott Pollard may be the funniest, but there were there were many, 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 many funny guys. Jay Will was unbelievably funny. I mean, there were, there were too many to name. There really is. Tim asks, is there hypocrisy with Gruden getting fired as a head coach for comments made before coaching when Urban Meyer doesn't, when he disrespects the team, by abandoning them to get publicly drunk and mess around with a college girl. Well, first of all, he didn't abandon the team. All right, so that's wrong. That's number one. Um, you know, I don't know if I would say he was publicly drunk. That's number two. And yeah, he was wrong, but I don't think one has anything to do with the other as it relates to John Gruden. So to me, they're not related in any way, shape, or form. I don't know how you can make that comparison. That's just me, though. I, I do not see that being 
in the same sentence. It's time for Grant. Today's rant is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella for all of your home loan needs. You know, loans and interest rates can be very confusing. Roy and his staff are awesome. Maybe you're in the market for a new home. Maybe you're looking to do a refi. Let Roy and his staff help you. They are the best. Just go to roysumbrella.com. You'll be glad that you did. That's roysumbrella.com. So let me get this straight. The New York Yankees, once again, had a very disappointing season. They've got the biggest stars in the game. They've got a payroll that is basically unlimited. They have a general manager in Brian Cashman that has not been able to put a winning team on the field since 2009. They've got a manager in Aaron Boone who makes many mistakes managing that club, particularly with the pitching staff, because it's 100% by the book and analytics, which is absurd. All right, I could manage that team if you're going to go by just analytics all the time. And so what happens? The Yankees will not renew the contracts of three coaches, including the third-base coach, Phil Nevin, who waved in Aaron Judge in the one-game playoff against the Boston Red Sox. How about that? What about Aaron Boone? I mean, what about his job security? Why is he continuing to be the manager of the Yankees? So now you're going to not bring back three others? Really? What a bad look this is for the Yankees. Seriously. And I'm a big Yankee fan, but that team is mismanaged from the very top now. I, I Explain to me how Brian Cashman is still the manager, or excuse me, still the general manager of the Yankees. I mean, really? I mean, the guy has failed in his job now more than a decade. With that type of team, payroll, city, market, and everything else, and now... You're not going to renew the contracts of three coaches? What a freaking embarrassment. And again, I don't understand how Aaron Boone is the manager and Brian Cashman is the general manager. Because if I owned that team, that would not be the case. I can freaking guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that. Hey, that is my rant for today. Always great having you on here if you don't like that. Hope you have a fabulous weekend. Really appreciate your support. And again, thank you so much for listening to If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.